This is the Tao of Christ, and I'm Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which church historian Evelyn Underhill called the Unit of Life, and which Richard Rohr calls the Universal Christ, and which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. This is the Tao of Christ. Good afternoon from sunny Florida. This is Marshall Davis. We decided to take a break from the cold of New Hampshire and come down to some warmer weather for a few weeks. There was snow on the ground when we left four days ago, and today where we are in Florida, it's 80s. So uh, that was a good choice. We got our vaccines, so we're fully immune, supposedly. So we're going to enjoy ourselves down here for a little while. Today I'm going to talk about spiritual awakening in politics. The initial awakening to the kingdom of God, also called unitive awareness or non-dual reality, can happen suddenly, but it can take a long time. It can take years to reveal all its dimensions. I have been witnessing this unfolding in the past few years, and it feels like layers of a veil are being gradually taken away. It's like a like a flower bud that is slowly opening up to the sun. It's like my eyes are slowly adjusting to the light after coming out of a dark room. It is an ongoing process of waking up to a new reality, and integrating that into human life. We wake up more and more from the illusions that have occupied the mind. In recent months, this change has happened in the area of politics. Politics has been a source of suffering for me, as well as for our nation, especially these last few tumultuous years during which American politics seems to have gotten much more angry and more divisive and more polarized than ever I can remember in my lifetime. And I see the pain and the suffering that fellow Americans and fellow humans around the globe are going through. And my response has been compassion and trying to do what I can to stop the suffering, the death, and the injustice. And that includes being involved in political and social issues. What happens in human history is relative, and in that sense, it is unreal. It is a dream that our minds have created. And to try to change this dream world is like waking up from a nightmare in the middle of the night and then trying to go back into the dream to set things right in the dream. And yet, on a relative level, it feels real. And we can say that on a relative level, it is real in that sense, with its drama of right and wrong and good and evil and joy and suffering. And I play my role in this drama. 
while at the same time knowing that it is ultimately relative. As a character in this drama of history, suffering arises. I can at times get lost in the dream so that temporarily I forget that I'm in a dream and I lose sight of what I really am, my timeless nature. It's like that twilight zone that sometimes we're in in the morning between sleep and wakefulness where we are partaking of both realms. But recently, something has shifted. Politics is clearly seen now as a dream. But most Americans are hopelessly and unconsciously enmeshed in the dream. Back in 2012, a church member accused me of preaching politics from the pulpit because I mentioned Mormonism in a sermon. I don't even remember exactly what I said about the Mormon faith. It might have had something to do with theology. I think it more likely had to do with what I consider to be a faulty view of Native American and Jewish history. Anyway, at the time, Mitt Romney, who was a Mormon, was running for president against Barack Obama. And she took my comment about Mormonism to mean that I was expressing opposition to her preferred candidate. I assured her that my comment was not political. Her response was so striking that it still rings in my ears nearly a decade later. She replied forcefully, everything is political. Her family subsequently left the church. She was giving voice to an unexamined American mindset. For many Americans, everything is political. Many Americans are completely lost in the political dream world, and they think it is real. Every comment, position, or stance is seen through a political lens, and that lens is magnified through talk radio and news editorials and social media. Every statement that everyone makes is considered political. What people do is considered political. Wearing a mask or getting vaccinated is seen are seen as political statements rather than simply health precautions. The hyper-political environment that Americans find ourselves in has distorted the way the people see the world. It is like everyone is hypnotized, it seems, or temporarily insane. People are lost in a nightmare, and they don't realize that it's not real. But just think about it for a moment. What are political parties and philosophies and ideologies? They are just ideas in the mind, and that's all. They have no reality outside the mind. The same with economic theories and cultural values. 
What is socialism or capitalism but castles in the air? What are culture wars fought over but ideas? What are nations and races but ideas? And ideas are literally nothing. People fight over ideas and they kill over ideas and hate over ideas. And family members get angry at each other. Families divide over ideas that are just imaginary mental structures. People have been led to believe, though, that politics is not only real, but that only politics matters in our society. That we must choose between liberal and conservative, blue or red, Democrat or Republican, socialist or capitalist, even when we declare ourselves to be independent or undeclared, as we can here in New Hampshire, people assume we harbor unconfessed political bias that has to be ferreted out so that we can be put in the proper category. It is assumed that everyone and everything is political. That is binary thinking. Recently, I woke up from this political dream world and saw clearly what it is. Nothing is political. There is no such thing. It's illusion. Maya, samsara, the cave of shadows, vanity of vanity, always vanity, as, as Ecclesiastes says. Jesus called it the outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, and he was not talking about an afterlife, but present, but a present reality that people perceive to be real. People are caught in an illusion that they think is real like schizophrenics who in their mental illness are caught in a bizarre world of their own making. I have no desire to enter back into an illusion. Now that doesn't mean that I don't play my role in human society. I vote, and as always, I vote the person and not the party. I will voice convictions about ethical and social issues. I will support or oppose leaders and government decisions based on ethical grounds, but I will not make choices based on ideology. From now on, I will follow the teaching of Jesus and decide on spiritual grounds. And you never saw Jesus in the New Testament waving a political banner or joining the Zealot Party or the Herodian Party. When asked about his kingdom, he said that his kingdom was not of this world. I am a follower of this Jesus. I am a Christian, albeit an unconventional and mystical sort of Christian. Jesus is my spiritual teacher. He's my rabbi. He's my Lord. My sole criterion in decision-making is what would Jesus do? That old phrase that was popular decades ago. When discussing refugees on the United States southern border, I ask, what would Jesus do? 
I answer that question by examining his words and actions in the Gospels. When discussing the sale and use of handguns and assault weapons, I ask, what would Jesus carry? What would Jesus sell? What would Jesus buy? When it comes to sexual morality and the treatment of those whom establishment religion considers to be sinners, I ask, how did Jesus treat people? Politically minded people may insist that this approach is too simplistic. They would say, what if everyone did that? What happened to our country? And I would respond, how wonderful if everyone did this. A whole nation living in unconditional love. You know, what's wrong with that? Can you imagine if every American who professed to be followers of Christ actually followed what Jesus taught? If they lived in unconditional love and forgiveness and nonviolence and grace, can you imagine all the Christians in America, how many that is? You know, I just read an article just recently saying that less than half now, I think it was 47% are, are now connected to a, to a church, which is the first time a minority of Americans has been. So there's 300-something million people in America. But let's just say, for example, that there are 200 million people who would call themselves Christians. What would it be like if these Christians followed Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? What if there were all of a sudden 200 million Martin Luther King Juniors or Mahatma Gandhis in America? Can you imagine if Christians lived up to our name and followed our Lord without compromise? Can you imagine the impact this would have not only on American society, but upon the world? I mean, the Lord's Prayer that Christians have been praying for 2,000 years would be answered. God's kingdom would come, as will be done on earth as it is in heaven. People would, might argue that my approach is not practical, that it's too idealistic, that we can't love our neighbor, or we certainly can't love our enemies. We can't be a nation of good Samaritans. The bad guys, whoever we consider them to be, would, oh, would run over us all. So we better grab our guns and build our walls, they say. People say that Jesus' Sermon on the Mount cannot be used as a blueprint for national policy. And I reply, why not? Because politicians say so? Why listen to them over Jesus? You know, we've tried this other way for a long, long time. Why not give Jesus' way a try? It's obvious to me that very few of those who call themselves Christians take Christ's teachings seriously. Most, it seems, are just play-acting at their religion. Their hearts are really with the worldly leaders and philosophies and kingdoms. I say, let's trust Christ. 
trust the King of Kings and Lord of Lords more than the politicians. I reject the idea that following Jesus is impractical. But so what if it is? Why not be impractical? In the eyes of the world, as the Apostle Paul said, is that it better be a fool for Christ than be one of the so-called wise ones of this age. Jesus told his followers to drop everything and follow him, and that includes dropping our political identities as well as our fishing nets. No one can serve two masters. I cannot serve both Christ and Caesar. Jesus said, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Well, I am God's. I am Christ's body, soul, and spirit. I belong 100% to Jesus Christ. I am one with Christ. There is no longer any me. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. No part of me belongs to Caesar. I am not beholden to any political party or national ideology. For that reason, I make every decision based solely on the guidance of the historical and the living Lord Jesus Christ. For some people... Everything is political. For me, nothing is political. Everything is spiritual. And that is it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ. Christ.